What is going on, fellow chatters? Today on the show, I get a chance to chat with the drummer of the Jeff Healy band, Tom Steven. We chat about his new book that covers his time in the band, how the talent of Jeff Healy is underappreciated, and a few stories from the set of Roadhouse. The coffee that is along for the ride today is the Dark Roast from Tim Hortons. And now, here is my chat with Tom Steven. It is great to have you on today, Tom. How are things going? Really well, thank you very much, and I'm, I'm really happy that you were able to take the time and, and have me on. Now, you have a, a new book, out, My Life with Jeff Healy. Uh, was it the right time to share these stories that you have locked up in your head? Well, you know, you never know when it's a right time or a bad time, and it's so we're clear, this is actually something I've been working on for about five years, and... Um, but it, it was more, to me, more of a, a sense of necessity because what was happening is I was getting into more and more conversation about guitar players or musical history and realizing less and less that Jeff's name was coming up. And uh, that scared me because I, I had a sense that, you know, maybe uh, Jeff, who, as far as I'm concerned, was one of the great artists of Canadian history, was, was being lost to tie. So that was a big motivation. Uh, I'm not sure you can ever pick a time that satisfies everybody, but it kind of worked out that, that um, you know, the book kind of, we finally got it finished last summer and a publisher came along and was interested and everything kind of fell in place. Um, the only thing I can tell you is, is for getting reviews and whatnot, which, you know, overall been pretty strong and pretty positive. What's been most important is, is hearing from a lot of Jeff's friends. Do you think it's because he was blind, he was just able just to throw everything into the music and not worry about what was around him? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm glad that's not around because he, he'd come back and come <laughs> after you too. <laughs> his, thing, his thing was very simple. Jeff was about the music, and, and I, I keep emphasizing that, but it's really important that, that folks you know, understand he wasn't on a rock star, right? That was mm-hmm. probably myself and Joe more <laughs> by far more, more so than, than Jeff, but, but Jeff would get pretty kind of, uh, particularly in Europe, the European media had a way of asking a question by telling you how things were. So it wasn't really a question. For instance, hi, Jeff, it's clearly because you're blind that you've developed all your other senses. And that's why you're like the best guitar player around. And that would just irk the heck out of them. And, you know, I would be saying to Jeff, well, hey, man, like, back off a bit here because we're, we're trying to make friends here. <laughs> but he said, you know, and to his defense, he said, look, you know, I, 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 you can meet, you know, some of my blind friends and Christ, they can't carry a note, let alone play a guitar. And, and later I did meet a lot of his friends and uh, he was cracked. <laughs> so the answer I, I have to say is no. Now, having said that and researching the book, um, you know, article after article from expert after expert does say that some folks with, you know, disabilities do develop other senses more so than other folks. But uh, Jeff certainly didn't consider himself to be, a, you know, a product of that. Uh, that's the best way I can answer that. I'm not trying to be a politician, but that's pretty much kind of where Jeff was at on it. Do you do you think people really appreciated the talent that he had? Or is it because, as you said, uh, like as you said, like he's starting to almost be forgotten on where he where he fits in in Canadian music history. Uh, in a word, no, uh, I agree with you. And and 
uh, 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 probably a great example. I, I, I was getting cold feet about putting the book out last summer, and I happened to be uh, in Halifax at a private party with a bunch of, of pals from uh, I'm from the East Coast. And, uh, you know, my friend who was having a party, Rob Steele, had mentioned that uh, they had a, a special guest um, playing at a, at a little party for, like, I think just under 100 people. And lo and behold, we go, and it's Tom Cochran and Red Ryder. And it's like, holy smokes. It's uh, at two levels. Firstly, Tom gave the Jeff Healy Band its, its first big break in our first national tour opening for Tom. And uh, Tom, in my book, is one of the greatest artists to ever come out of Canada. So it was just a real treat. But in the middle of the set, he starts telling Jeff Healy and, and the stories about Jeff and the guys and and um, and kind of ended the whole thing by saying, well, why the hell isn't Jeff Healy in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And it, it just, I mean, man, talk about timing. It was like this big fist came off the stage and gave me a smack upside my head. And, you know, when Tom came off the stage, uh, we went to an after party and we hung out. And we had a great, great, great talk. And obviously a lot about Jeff. And, you know, he asked me what I was up to. I told him about the book. And Tom was very, very encouraging to get the story out there before, you know, it's either told incorrectly or we lose this guy to history. And that's exactly what I, you know, what this is all about. I don't know if we'll sell 12 books or 27 books, but at the end of the day, if it sparks that conversation, that's what the goal is. Because I do believe Jeff has very much been underappreciated um, um, in our country. And if anyone deserves not to be underappreciated, it's Jeff Healy. I mean, he beat, you know, as a band, we beat all the odds. As an individual, he'd be, you know, insurmountable odds in most cases and, uh, and got where he was going. To me, Jeff Jeff Healy should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's one of the greatest artists that ever came out of our country. Um, he oversurmounted, you know, a lot of odds that would have uh, held most people back. And uh, as a band, you know, we, we worked hard to get where we went and, and we're recognized, particularly Jeff, throughout the world as, you know, Jeff was considered one of the greats. And again, repeating myself, but great such as, you know, whether it was Stevie Ray Vaughan or B.B. King from all different genres in the, in, in the, in the guitar world, recognize that and love Jeff. And, and, I, and I think that's important that we remember that as Canadians. Also, Jeff and the band, we were proud Canadians. I mean, we stuck Canadian flags in, on everything we had, and we're proud when people kept telling us we we're from the States. We were always make sure they understood we we're from Canada. Then sometimes we'd have to explain where Canada was, but so be it. <laughs> now, now when I have musicians on the show, I'm really interested in the writing and recording process that bands go through. What processes did you have uh, before and when you went into the studio? Well, that's, that's a tough one. Cause I, I was the weak link in that chain. Cause I was really, you know, a, a, a kind of a, just a jam drummer. And, uh, you know, that's part of the reason Jeff sort of brought me into the band because he liked Jeff was very much about freestyle and jamming. And as I said earlier, we, we never played the same song twice. The interesting thing is um, we sort of made our career a, 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 on a lot of cover songs and didn't really play a lot of original material. And one day Jeff sort of called the rehearsal, which in itself was unusual because I think in our whole career, we maybe had two or two or three rehearsals in 18 years. And it was, I guess, his response to me saying, you know, it would be great if we had original material. And all of a sudden we're jamming, you know, uh, See the Light and uh, Adriana and 
I need to be loved. I mean, all these songs that he had on board that, that I, you know, had no idea he had. So Jeff was, was an excellent writer. Um, um, so now you get into the record business, meaning you, you've now signed a record deal and all of a sudden it's, it's money being spent. You're part of an industry and you learn very quickly that it's not the love of music as much as making sure that everyone meets their bottom line and on the dollars and cents side of it. And I, I think the process originally was exciting um, and a lot of fun. But then I think there was a bit of frustrating uh, frustration in the sense that now you have folks bringing you songs that you don't necessarily like, but they think are going to help, you know, that record get ahead. And a prime example of that is, is Angel Eyes, which was written by John Hyatt. And actually, I didn't even know this till an interview yesterday. That track had been recorded previously, and no one seemed to know the name of the band, but by a band in the States, like, about eight or nine years before we cut it. But the demo that had been sent to us was sort of a mishmash, and uh, we had no idea it had already been out. But obviously that song, you know, broke us worldwide. I mean, it was a top five Billboard track, and it was number one in a lot of territories around the world. Did very well, obviously, in Canada. And it really, you know, introduced us to a whole new audience. So on one hand, you're kind of ticked off that you have to record other folks' material. And on the other hand, you're having all this success. And I, I recently ran into Mitchell Cohen. Uh, I had a conversation with Mitchell and I'd run into uh, Mr. Davis, Clive Davis, who signed us at Arista Records. And they brought up a really interesting point that I wish we'd kind of thought about back in the day, which was when you hear I Shot the Share for Cocaine by Clapton, you don't think, hey, Clapton didn't write that song. You think of it as Clapton's song. And I think we, we just didn't quite understand that process in the early days. But overall, uh, no complaints because we were lucky enough to get in the studio. So, <laughs> so you know, there you go. Now, now I can't let you go without sharing a story. As as I'm from the generation that grew up with Roadhouse as the guy <laughs> movie. And your band played an integral part of it being the, the house band for the Double Deuce. Was it fun being a part of that movie? You know, it's interesting. Making a movie is, 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 as we kind of discussed a bunch of times, was the first couple of days are the most exciting days of your life, and then the rest of it's the most boring days of your <laughs> life. And that, that kind of sums it up. Now, where we were lucky was that, you know, we became good friends with, with Patrick who, uh, Swayze, who was just a lovely guy. Him and Jeff particularly hit it off. Um, um, Patrick played guitar. And uh, him and Jeff would play together and, you know, have a few beers together. And uh, Jeff was, or pardon me, Patrick was integral to, you know, getting Jeff in, into the movie and, and, and increasing his role to the point that, you know, Jeff was pretty much a co-star in the movie. And, uh, you know, that was exciting. And looking back, could have had a better time. Now, thereafter, we were offered some parts along the line in, uh, in Jeff's case or the band or whatnot. And, and to be honest with you, we kind of shied away from it because it wasn't something we wanted to do again. Now, having said that, nobody knew at the time, including, I mean, he wasn't even sure if he should be in, in the movie, that it would go on to become this kind of um, cult classic. And to this day, I mean, you see the movie every couple of weeks in the States on cable or here or somewhere around the world and it definitely no question was was really important to 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 helping us you know break our career having said that um again back to why i wrote the book um 
it was getting to the point where I'd say, you know, people would say, well, who'd you play with? Uh, I played with Jeff Healy. Well, who's that? Oh, wow. And the fallback is, well, uh, do you remember the movie Roadhouse? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, we were the band. Oh, that blind guy in the movie. So in some ways, you know, that there's your double-edged sword. Uh, um, it's really helped keep keep Jeff out in the forefront. And hopefully will help us continue to, to reintroduce Jeff back to, you know, a new audience. Well, I know, like, when my friends and I get together, there are lines from Roadhouse that get thrown around. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 it's pretty remarkable. And I saw an Anthony uh, uh, Bourdain uh, rerun, and I, I, a friend of mine had pointed it out, and it's him and uh, Bill Murray, and they're talking about Roadhouse. <laughs> and, and I had no idea, and they, they spoof on that for, like, a good five or ten minutes with, the, you know, I thought you'd be bigger and all those lines. So it definitely it definitely was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I want to make it clear, we, we did have a heck of a lot of laughs making movies particularly when we got to uh, we talked the guy into replacing the fake beer with real beer that made things <laughs> a little more interesting <laughs> now what are you up to these days well this this is it right now yeah. I mean I'm, I'm working the book I've been in management though I'm working with a, a, a couple new bands one being Mulholland Drive and the other being Brandon Bezor and um, we're just uh, banging away at trying to get those folks a career going and uh, at the same time um, um, I've, I've now um, had some folks approach me about doing a documentary on uh, on the life of the band, which uh, um, we're just starting to get into production on that. So that's 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 where we're at, and uh, that's what I'm up to. Um, <clears throat> I got to say, um, it, it's it, I want to make something clear here. This isn't about reliving the past. It's about making sure a chapter of history isn't lost. So that's you know that's what I'm up to. Um, as I said earlier, you and me probably wouldn't be having this conversation mm-hmm. had I not met Jeff Healy. And it's important to me that, you know, Jeff was very loyal to myself and Joe throughout the years. And so it's really important to me that, that, that the story is told properly and that, that you know, we, we keep banging away and make sure he gets his due. But also, I think, like, the three of you clicked so well on stage together that it it did propel you guys up as well. Well, you know, I, I, I will. I, I've always been reluctant to sort of go there because, you know, you, you hear it all the way through, particularly once you, you sort of, as they say, that overnight success, which, you know, it took us six years of breaking all the rules and getting there. But, yeah, there's there's no question. And I'm, I'm not prepared to say it. I wasn't before, but I've been very honored and touched by the fact that a lot of folks in the interviews have made that point. And, Paul Schaefer, I think, uh, uh, he mentions it in the book, and I think he put it succinctly, where he said, look, I've seen, you know, lots of bands where where there's superstars in the band, but for some reason it just doesn't click and it doesn't work. What we had, and I think it's really important now, you know, now that I'm willing to really get into this conversation, you know, I now see that that's true. I mean, maybe what we lack particularly is, you know, I mean, first off, how can you be as great as Jeff Healy, who was one of the greatest? But what we had going for us, myself and Joe, Joe was kind of like the timekeeper, and I was sort of jamming out with Jeff. And we had a pretty unique sound, and that really worked for us. And, you know, as we went along, Jeff could have picked any side man he wanted, but he was very loyal to us. And, in fact, there was a lot of pressure on Jeff throughout his career to get rid of us and, and, you know, go get a couple superstars. But as you pointed out, this wasn't just about on stage; It was about off stage as well. And... Keep it in mind, when, when I met Jeff, he was thinking on going into radio because, you know, no one in Canada was that interested 
in him or his career, particularly in respect to, you know, getting a record deal. And uh, I like to think that, you know, that it, it was that, you know, the, that brotherhood that, you know, drove us to where we got. Uh, I think the proof in the pudding is clearly, you know, after you sell a few million records, everyone's knocking on your door. So you go from the world of no to the world of yes. And Jeff was never interested in, in bringing in, you know, a, a top superstar manager or, or dumping the band or whatever, because it worked for him and he knew it worked for him. And, you know, we had the discussion many times. And uh, I mentioned in the book, but, you know, the best president Jeff ever gave me was let me stay in the band. Now, realistically, did it end well? Nope. There was some there was some rough spots along the way, and and uh, there are those who have their versions of what happened or didn't happen. <clears throat> but what I remember is the 17 to 18 years or 16 years uh, that we put in on that road, and we probably spent more time with each other than you know our parents or our loved ones or anybody else. And it was a darn lot of uh, darn good time. We had a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of what we accomplished. Uh, a blues band back then from Canada, odds were pretty slack of, you know, breaking out and turning around. I mean, Mr. Davis would have been happy if we sold 100,000 records. And as it turned out, we sold millions of records. So uh, I have no complaints. And along the way, we got to see the world. And even in Jeff's case, uh, you know, he, he, he was an avid record collector. So it really allowed him to expand his collection from all, all around the world. So there's... There was a lot of pluses. That sounds great. Now, when I have a guest on, I have a segment called Fast Five. So it's five questions. First thing that pops in your head. Give me the answer. Jeez, I'm a pretty talkative maritime, <laughs> but I'll do my best. <laughs> is there is there someone out there, an artist, who you would have wanted to collaborate with or still want to? Tom Petty. Unfortunately, he's no with yes. us, but Unfortunately, he's no yeah, that, with us. Yes. Um, Look, look, I will. I, I'm going to have to, unfortunately, answer oh, this question oh. uh, in a long form. So just give <laughs> okay, me a minute. Sure. What, what, what just happened recently, which I think you know, answers the question. John Mayle, who you know is you know one of the great blues legends, has just covered um, "Evil and Here to Stay," a, a blues song of ours. It just came out literally in the last couple of weeks, with with Alex Lyson from Rush playing the, the, the guitar parts. Now, if that isn't a tribute to Jeff, um, nothing is. Um, so, sure, we would have loved to play with Rush, and here you have a guy playing you know, our, our track right now with John Mayle. Uh, sorry, but I had to throw that in. That's okay. Um, who are your, your influences growing up? Uh, uh, Stones and, and the Beatles, no question. Poutine or pizza? Poutine. Favorite alcoholic drink or non-alcoholic drink? Rum and Coke. Where is your favorite place to get a shot of Java? Uh, Jamaica. <laughs> and where can people find the book? In uh, um, in in Canada, it's at Indico uh, Chapters. It's uh, either in the stores or online, um, and uh, uh, it's also on Amazon. Uh, though I understand Amazon has some technical issues uh, um, this week, but it's definitely on Indico. Now, is there anywhere on the internet that people can find you? Uh, yeah, I, I just uh, have a uh, gosh, I'm so bad at this. I, I now have a Facebook page. So you have Facebook and what else? Oh, uh, that's it. Okay, uh, uh, so far. Okay, um, I'll I'll, I'll uh, make sure to find the link and put it up on the post. Oh, that'd be fantastic, uh, and, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And 
let, let, let's get Jeff in the, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, for sure. And thanks very much for uh, joining me and uh, having a little chat. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. I would like to thank Tom Steven for chatting with me, and thanks to you for tuning in. And you can contact me on Twitter, at Jason Perry. That's at Jason, P-E-R-R-I-E-R. And use the hashtag, Chance to Chat With, if there's someone who you want me to chat with. Until we chat again, I'm out.